Look at my butt. Show number 292 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK, Talk, Trek, and Space. Okay, we're working. We're in business here. Talking about being in business, hey, William <sighs> Shatner went to space, almost space. He went to almost space. Well, he got out of the atmosphere. Yes. Right? That's Just basically barely. what it came down to. <laughs> um, yeah, I was up early that day, especially to to watch that. Mm-hmm. And oh, man, you know when when they came, you know, landed back down on Earth. First of all, that's pretty awesome that these things now they can land them upright and don't have to splash into the ocean. I was so I haven't been watching any of these flights that they've done before. So I had no idea what (laughs) happened or how it worked or anything like that. So this was all completely new to me. And like you, I Mm. got up early to watch it. And of course, there were delays and it didn't launch on time, but that's expected. Um, So when they landed the rocket part on the landing pad, (laughs) like that was amazing. (laughs) Like, how did they do that? That's incredible. Well, it's, you know, when you think about all the kids, you know, they're playing with those video controllers, but they can get really precise with those, and those are just games. I, yeah, it, it. I was really sort of shocked by that, so that was a big thing. Let me back up a second. This happened on October 13th, for anybody who wasn't paying attention to it. I'm sure you all were. You had to be in a cave that day, because for at least that day and the, and the next day, and a little bit of the day after that, that was like practically the lead story on everything. It was. And, and you know, Bill was going around to all the various talk shows mm-hmm. that were not going around, but, you know, virtually going around and talking about this experience. And, uh, yeah, and I was going, I don't think, the only other time I can think of that Bill was like in the, in the top news story mm-hmm. was when Noreen died. Mm, that's probably correct. Yeah. I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was all news all the time, all about Bill. And probably like 20 people were, were pinging me going, did you hear about Bill Shatner going to space? Like, yes, I heard about him going to space. <laughs> of course I did. It wasn't like I was going to ignore Of course. Yeah. That's my job. <laughs> but when, when you know, they landed and finally, you know, they, they started coming out of the capsule. And when Bill came out. You know, I'm sitting here alone except for the dog, and I just applauded. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was so fantastic. It, it was it was an incredible thing. So let, let's go back. Let's do it chronologically. So he he gets there. They took some lovely pictures the night before with everybody in their flight suits. They looked very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think as you pointed out, they, it looked like a, a somewhat awkward family photo at Sears or something, right? You know? Yes. <laughs> um. And so the next day they, they got up and they did their little prep and they, they went to uh, the, the launching site. And so the, the rocket is a vertical rocket with the capsule on the top. Now, the other thing that surprised me was that the capsule has windows. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. having seen lots and lots of um, NASA flights, the idea that the, the capsule part of it would actually have windows that you could look out was kind of shocking to me. And also my first thought was, mm. isn't that dangerous? <laughs> you know, like there are windows right there. Isn't that going to cause a problem? But they've solved that. I know. I'm sure they're not the windows you can throw a baseball 
So that was a surprise. But they're big windows. They are. I was like amazed at how much of the capsule that they took up. So that was just a complete surprise. Um, a bit of historical trivia here. Yes. Years and years ago, when the book first came out, Tom Wolfe's The Right Stuff, mm -hmm. I read that. It was just fascinating. Oh, it's such and, a good you know, book. Very readable. And uh, one of the things that he learned and included in the book was originally the astronauts' capsules were not going to have any windows. Mm -hmm. And they ins the astronauts insisted on it. They had to have a window at yeah. least, you know, so they, they gave him one little one. But yeah, of course, I mean, what, what they have since learned and what Bill saw, and apparently so many of the other astronauts have experienced this, is... You don't expect it, but the most stunning and thrilling thing is seeing Earth. Yeah, yes. So you need a window. You got to have a window. Yeah, you got to see it with your yeah. own eyes, not on a screen. You have to actually mm -hmm. see it. Um, so they went up and it was quick, right? It was like 10 minutes. 10 minutes, like, you know, from takeoff to landing. To landing, right. Um and everything went according to plan. They get up there. Um, now, the coverage I was watching it was a live feed, I think, from Blue Origin, uh, which is the name of the company, uh, on Facebook. And mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't a lot of commentary, which was nice. It was nice to have it sort of quiet without people yakking the whole mm -hmm. time. But they also didn't have, as far as I could tell, any audio inside the capsule. So... Again, my my re my point of reference being NASA flights. You know, you hear the command center talking to the astronauts the whole time, and there was none of that. So that was a little like just different, I guess. They're not going to be mm -hmm. broadcasting astronaut chatter live, I suppose. So they they didn't do that, right? Um, and it's a the the flight, the controls, and everything are fully automated. Mm -hmm, There's right. no human pilot. Yep. So, you know, who would flight control be talking to? Yeah, well, you know, you know just to say, good luck. I hope we'll, we see you again. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, <laughs> he had three crew crewmates, three other people who went up there. Um, let's see. Mm -hmm. It was an Australian entrepreneur, a microbiologist, and Blue Origin executive, Audrey Powers. So two people who paid to go. I have not seen anywhere how much it cost them to, to go up. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure it was a lot of money. Well, weeks ago, and so I don't remember it, it was how much it was per flight. But then something I read or heard, um, they said, you know, Bill got his for free yeah. in exchange for doing all this publicity yeah, for yeah, Blue Origin. Totally. And, and he more than lived up to it. I mean, they got millions oh, and millions man, of dollars yes. of publicity out of him doing this. Um so I, the other thing that surprised me, well, I, I knew that this is how the capsule would come down. It had two different sets of parachutes and there was a, mm -hmm. um, a speedometer on the screen showing how fast it was coming down. And it was floating through the atmosphere at 17 miles an hour, which doesn't seem very fast. Mm -hmm. But then I thought if you were in a car and you smacked into something solid at 17 miles an hour, like that's quite a jolt. Uh, so they mm -hmm. they have them in the little sort of reclining um, couches in there, and they're all strapped in, of course, so they can't get hurt. But that must have been a lot. I mean, coming down and just kind of hitting the ground at 17 miles an hour, like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. So I'm glad everybody was safe and they didn't break any bones doing that. It just seems like, oof. 
No, I mean, everybody seemed, you know, absolutely fine. Uh, But from what Bill said, the really stunning part is, even though, you know, you've done the centrifugal thing and everything, was as it's picking up speed going up and your Mm. face is like, you know, everything is floating away and just getting smashed up against yourself, you know. Oh, such an experience. So I, I was watching, I was sitting there watching like, oh, what, you know, let's see what happens when Bill comes out. And he seemed to me uh, a little shaky coming out, which entirely understandable. Uh-huh. You know, he was sort of holding on to the, the grips and everything. And then I was a little disappointed that the the scene outside the capsule was, was somewhat chaotic, right? They had loads and loads of photographers right. and press and the other people who were on the flight with him went and their families were there and they were talking and then Jeff Bezos came over and was talking separately to Bill about this and that was the really mm-hmm. interesting part and I was really going like you guys in the background you other people could you just shut the fuck up like stop screaming at oh, each I know. other I know they should have had some sort of plan yes. for you know uh, you know when you come out People are mainly interested in Bill, so you know. But um, yeah, you're right. He did. He did seem a little shaky, and boy, that was about the most subdued I think I've ever seen him. Yes. So um, I'll I'll put in a link to the video that shows his his talk with Jeff Bezos after he gets off it. It's incredible. Like. Mm-hmm. Again, they got so much value out of having him go in here because I don't think I've ever heard somebody talk as eloquently about that experience as he did. I mean, he's, I think he's a poet at heart, you know, and he certainly knows how mm-hmm. to use language and his, his description and his, the conveying of his emotions. And he was crying at times about he how was, this affected yes, him. He was, and, you know, I was not at all surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Because he he is emotional. He feels things deeply. Mm-hmm. And again, in contrast to the other people who were acting like kids who had too much sugar, right? You know, <laughs> I understand you're excited and, and you get to do this amazing, right, cool right. thing. But they, they just seemed, and maybe, you know, in their own interviews, they expressed some of the, the, the awe and uh, mm-hmm. the shock of doing it. But it he just came across as being profoundly moved by this in a way that I, I haven't seen other people talk about. Even people, you know, when we saw Chris Hadley talk at um, mm-hmm. Silicon Valley Comic Con and he talked about it, it wasn't, it didn't seem as deeply felt. And maybe when you're up on a space station for months and months, like it wears off a little bit. But um, this, this was really raw to me, you know. Well, he had just gotten out of the capsule. Yeah. And, you know, so that's a, that's a little different. You know, time passes, it's going to take some of the edge off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it was it was really good. And I'm, I'm so glad that he, you know, immediately thought about the fragility of Earth. And um, mm-hmm. for him, it wasn't about, look at this amazing technological accomplishment that's happened. Like, yeah, that's good. But mm-hmm. the purpose of it is to remind us that, it is so fragile, right? He kept saying that about the barrier between mm-hmm. the earth and space is just the thinnest of skin. And you don't think about that. And then you think about, you know, the fact that we live on this planet that's protected by nothing, just nothing. It seems yeah. like, you know, it was great. I, I was just, I was really moved by, by everything that he said and um, was annoyed at, at Jeff Bezos, who's basically a robot, right? Like he doesn't have emotions. Right. <sighs> that was annoying um 
And then they have to do the thing where they put the little pin. They get the little flight pin that goes in there. Their yes. suits and the flight pins, the pin part kept bending because the flight suits are too well made. That was pretty fun. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, got to have a good, a good flight suit if you're going to go on. Oh, man. Um, so did you watch the subsequent videos of them floating around inside the capsule? Oh, yes. Yes, I did watch those. And... um. I saw Bill on several different stations, you know, in mm-hmm. the in the subsequent day or days, you know, being interviewed by all the news anchors and everything. And it was really cool to see Bill. I mean, once they got up there and they were weightless, he was sort of at a loss for words because he kept just going, "Yes, weightlessness." <laughs> I know, yeah. In his voice, his his yep. uh, his deep voice, weightlessness. But then he was just kind of glued to the window, you know? That's what he had said. Yeah. He was going to be, and I know he said it to Anderson Cooper, because I watched that interview a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It was so funny, you know, the one before he went up. But he had said that. He said, I want to be, yeah, yeah, I don't care about floating around being weightless. I want to be smack up against, with my face pressed against mm-hmm. the window. Mm-hmm. Looking out. And that's what he did, exactly. He was just yes, he looking did. and looking and, and just saying, you know, wow. He just kept saying wow over and over again. Like all of his words deserted him except for wow. Well, and it's also, I don't know, in the hundreds of thousands of years that there have been human beings, mm-hmm. the number of people who have experienced that in any way is mm-hmm. very small. Oh, so small. And so we haven't invented words for yeah. it. Exactly. So he has just been on every media talking nonstop about it. And I I had to laugh when he was talking with with Bezos and he was kind of collecting himself. And then he said, he actually said, and here comes the commercial. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You need to make this experience available to everybody through virtual reality Mm -hmm. or something. People need to see what this like. Like here he is having just completed almost space flight and he's like spinning out ideas for how this can be turned into a product that everybody can experience. That was very Well, you know, that's that's how Bill's mind works. Yep, exactly. What can we do with this? And um, I think his point was, not everybody should. Ha- it's not that everybody should have this thrill. Mm-hmm. It's that everybody should see what this situation actually is. Like, like you said, there's our Earth protected by basically nothing mm-hmm. except us, and we're not doing a good job. Terrible job. Terrible, terrible job. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was amazing. So I, I have read a couple of different articles um, just reflecting on on the meaning of it, and I, I want to just put aside all of the bad snarky stuff including from george decay who really should know better at this point like what are you doing oh my god i was actually shocked by that one i thought certain george must have enough sense to just step back and shut up yeah and when i saw that i went i am so tired of you yeah you know even though i enjoy you know his political posts and stuff I'm not I'm not following him anymore. No. That's just too petty and too childish. It really is. You know, if he doesn't want to say something nice about a situation like this, all he has, because people are going to ask, of course they're going to ask, all he has to say is, good for him. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Just, just leave it. So that was, that was quite annoying. Uh, but I think almost all of the coverage that I saw was really positive. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of reflection on what it means to have someone who is 
the living representative of this powerful media franchise about space exploration mm-hmm. actually do it and it's it's weird but it's super meaningful right like it is a little weird that we're so fixated on it that's what made it i mean it's not just that he's famous it's what he's famous for yes yes and I was thinking this is like a full circle culturally. Yes, yes. You know, culturally thing. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But, you know, how you'd always say, it's just a TV show. Mm-hmm. What are you so excited about? And then he gets up there and is is just stunned into wordlessness. Mm-hmm. Just yep. by that little bit of the space adventure. Yeah. So it, I think... Again, they could not have chosen somebody better to do this because of all mm-hmm. that Bill represents, you know, uh, yep. with his association with not only with the character of Captain Kirk, but with the whole premise of Star Trek. And as we've talked about many times, why it's endured and why it continues mm-hmm. to, to spawn new media, because it's positive and people respond to the possibilities right that's what star trek is all Mm -hmm. about what are the possibilities you know risk is our business and all that and i think bill in this instance especially really embodied the possibilities that you could go to 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 almost space if you're almost 100 years old that you could not be an astronaut and have this profound life-changing experience that you Mm -hmm. would want to share that with other people and it could change your whole perspective on everything that's exploring the possibilities and he's just like the perfect guy to represent that good old William Shatner (laughs) yes you know who just okay yeah it's an adventure I'll go you know I've got this opportunity I'll go Mm -hmm. so man um I was reading about the physical condition you have to be in to do this. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is you had to be able to climb seven flights of stairs in under a minute and a half. Yeah, I saw them going up the, the rocket gantry there. I thought, wow, I hope you make it. <laughs> yeah, and Bill was talking about this, I think, with Anderson Cooper. Um, and he says, you know, so I'm, you know, like going up the stairs yeah. and hoping I don't have a heart attack. And here's these young guys just going zip, 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 mm-hmm. you know, right past him. <laughs> uh, I think that was the hardest. That and the G-forces were probably the hardest mm-hmm. part of this whole thing. I can't imagine G-forces like that. I also can't imagine weightlessness because I think I would just throw up like immediately. Well, that's what I was wondering. Do people ever, you know, their first hit of that get sick or... I'm sure I, they may, maybe they give them some medication beforehand to, uh, to stop that, but um, to settle their tummies. <laughs> yes. A little bit. Oh man. It just, it seems, it seems impossible that you could just do that now. Like just get in a rocket, go for a little ride, see the earth, come back down mm-hmm. basically where you took off from, have it all be so incredibly well coordinated and I guess relatively safe given what they're doing. And the the rocket, the booster rocket, and the uh, capsule are reusable. They're not yeah. lost. Yeah, exactly. Incredible. It's all just incredible. So yeah, uh, he he went home. I think he slept at home that night. Like he just zipped back to California. Um, mm-hmm. And he's been on oh gosh, lots and lots of different um, talk shit, not talk shows, but on news programs, just talking about the experience. Mm -hmm. And he seems to have come through it, you know, sort of with flying colors. Amazing. Didn't need any time off to recover. This weekend he was at two conventions Mm -hmm. 
one was here in Rosemont. They call yes. it Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, oh, man, I would love to, to, to be at that one, especially when he's just, you know, been out in space. But first of all, it's in Rosemont. And second of all, I'm still really leery about oh, being in big crowds. Yes, you know, so same. I did not go. But yeah, he just didn't slow down at all. Nope. Just going on to the next thing. Keep moving. Keep swimming yep. like that yep. shark through the ocean. Well, I have to talk about his interviews with Anderson Cooper. Oh, please do. Because they should go in the broadcast hall of fame. <laughs> Uh, the first one was a few days before he went up. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if he's been interviewed by Anderson before, but you could tell Anderson was like so excited <laughs> for this. You know, I'm talking to Bill Shatner. And at one point, Bill goes, yeah, so I was I was just there yesterday rehearsing. <laughs> and Anderson goes, I think they call it training. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Anderson lost it. He like giggled through the whole rest of the interview because Bill was just riffing, you know, and just going at the end, you know, oh, Bill Shatner, you can come back anytime. I don't care what your reason for for being on the show is. It's just so wonderful. Well, he, he did an interview the day after he got back with Anderson Cooper and they showed like not even half of it on the, the ABC News, but mm-hmm. on the ABC website, they showed the whole thing, and it's like uh-huh. 20, 25 minutes. Ooh, very good. We'll put a link to that so people can watch it. Oh, yeah, because it's really, really uh, something to see. And, you know, Anderson starts out like going, well, you know, tell me what it was like and everything. And Bill says, well, you know, at this point, it's kind of like telling your 17th friend about your new love affair. <laughs> so it's like the first thing out of his mouth is it's like sex. Of course. Of um, course it is. And they, Anderson just, he's got a delightful giggle. And he just started laughing. Well, somehow this morphed into this was your 17th lover. And, of course, the two of them just thought that was hilarious. But um, really really delightful interviews and of course you know bill became serious you know Mm -hmm. in in you know talking about how we have to really take care of the planet and you know where this this puts us but um yeah we got to put in links to those Mm -hmm. because (laughs) it's just so funny and at the end anderson cooper goes william shatner i just love you so much i I would do anything for you if you ever need anything. And I thought he was going to like offer him a kidney or something. And he goes, I would, I would pick up takeout for you. <laughs> so it was just so much fun. So now I'm sort of like fan crushing on, on Anderson Cooper too, because he so gets it, Yeah, you know? Uh, it, it, it is great. This is why, um, you know, I, like I said, Jeff Bezos is a robot. I understand that just like Mark mm-hmm. Zuckerberg. But he <laughs> he um, he did not appear visibly excited by the fact that Bill Shatner had just gone up in one of his rockets to space. I, maybe that's his whole deal is that he's just like super cool and he doesn't get excited about things. And even though this I amazing guess. thing just happened, he just treats it like this is his super cool life every day launching mm-hmm. rockets into almost space. Whatever. Yep. They, they should have had yeah. somebody else there to talk to Bill when he came down. Well, you know, it's Bezos's show. Yeah. Well, he thinks you know. it. He thinks it is. He doesn't realize that when you ask Bill Shatner to do something, it is no longer your show. You have just seated, no. That stage control. belongs to one man. One man. That's right. Now, you had mentioned before when we were talking about this that um, 
this was going to be part of like some documentary that Bill is filming. Is that correct? Well, that's what I heard. And now okay. I haven't heard anything about it. And Bill did not say anything about it in his various shilling things. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe, you know, somebody said to Jeff Be- Bezos, you know, Bill's planning on doing this documentary. And if they don't have something in writing, you know, Bezos could say, you're not doing that. Yeah. You know, yeah. but hmm, okay. who knows? All right. I haven't heard anything either. And I was wondering if he was going to mention it. He he very um, unusually for him was not shilling anything of his own that I could tell in all of these different interviews no. that he was doing. He kept strictly to the topic about going to mm-hmm. almost space. So, you know, he can do that. I was wondering for a while if he was sort of physically capable of not shilling for things in interviews. <laughs> But he he's is. very disciplined, he, but he, he you know, he also knows what his job is, yeah. what he's there to do. That is true. That is very true. Good stuff, Bill. Really good stuff. Oh, it was just so, so exciting. And I do want to address um, one sort of negative comment that I've seen a couple of places because I saw a really great response to it. Mm-hmm. And the negative was people going, why are we spending all this money to to send a TV actor mm-hmm. and billionaires up into space, yada, yada, yada. And somebody pointed out in another article that um, this is how technology happens now. And he mm-hmm. said, think of the Wright brothers. The first people who got into this and they made it work right after that rich people were buying airplanes and <laughs> yes. having their own planes mm-hmm. and they could fly around everything and then it you know became cheaper and more popular and people weren't afraid of it so that's that's the progress now we need mm-hmm. we need a captain kirk to boldly go mm-hmm. to go there first yep and then we go oh okay so you know when the price comes down <laughs> And you get to go up there for a little more than 10 minutes. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You need to have, it's interesting, isn't it? That so far in the current, I want to say the modern space program, no one has really Mm -hmm. emerged as like a leader, right? When I think of the NASA space program, I think of people like Neil Armstrong, for example, or Buzz Aldrin, Mm -hmm. who who were leaders in their way, you know, they were Mm -hmm. um, army guys, they were very disciplined, they were good speakers, they were super earnest, right? And they seemed like Mm -hmm. the kind of guys that you would follow into space if you wanted to. And I haven't seen anybody like that really emerging from the current crop of people. Um, Everybody's very competent and they clearly know what they're doing, but you don't see a lot of leader people. And it's so amazing to me that you put Shatner into a space capsule and he becomes a leader at 90 years old. He becomes a program. He does. He he just, now he's the face of the, of the blue origin program. Like you're stuck with it. You can't get away from it. That's the way it's going to be from now on. Sure is. Well, the NASA people, um, very good with science yes. and imagination and all that, but and, you know, not much at all on public relations or marketing. No, and so they are very, very lucky that Star Trek came along mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you, all you had to do was say, "Let's get some of the Star Trek people here to see this shuttle we've got." Let's get Nichelle Nichols, who mm-hmm. did so much for that program, mm-hmm. you know, traveling around and speaking about it and everything, and they were good at it because mm-hmm. that's their job. That's what they know. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, hire more actors, maybe. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, they couldn't have chosen somebody better than Bill to do this. They really, really oh, couldn't yeah. have. And he's going to be talking about this till the day he dies in, in 200 years. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just so glad 
that it was an amazing experience for him, Mm -hmm. um, that he took it deeply to heart. Yes. And you could tell he was still processing it, you Mm -hmm. know, and I mean, not just when he first got off, but, you know, a day or two later, he is, is still still sort of replaying it and trying to find ways to express what he felt. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody said, oh, I think it was my 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 new semi-crush, Anderson Cooper, because <laughs> Bill was, you know, waxing poetic about it. And Anderson said, I would love to see Amanda Gorman go up, mm-hmm. the young poet laureate, mm-hmm. and and get her reaction and have her write something about it. But mm-hmm. I thought, you know, Bill Bill knocked it out of the park. He really did. That reminds me of a a science fiction story I read, gosh, a long time ago. I can't remember who wrote it or when it was published, but the premise was that um, there was a world that was about to um, supernova or something. And Mm -hmm. there was a poet who had volunteered for the job to be the last person on that planet as it was dying. And their job Mm -hmm. was to, to record what that was like as the poet. And so it was told from their point of view and what they were thinking wow. and having, and their, you know, their words, their recording and, and this, the program is recording everything that they were saying. It was beautiful, but of course it was terribly depressing because they died at the end. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, it was kind of like that. Well, that's very interesting though, that you bring that up because so many people have pointed out and rightfully so that all these people who say, oh, the arts poo-poo, who cares, actors are jerks. But during the pandemic, what got you through? Mm-hmm. TV, mm-hmm. movies, music, yep. the arts. Yeah. You know? It's so, so important. It's they so need important. to be to be part of these discussions mm-hmm. of where are we as a as a human race or whatever you want to call us, where are we going? Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Yeah. It's good. Um, I'm happy. I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if this inspires further stuff from Bill, right? Like mm-hmm. more books or maybe he's going to do more documentaries about space or whatever, but I could see him being very inspired by this to, to do yes. new yes. Cre- new creative stuff based on this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, cool. you know, really, I don't think anything's going to top it. I don't think so. No, no. Especially not for him at this age. What else could he possibly do that would equal yeah. going to almost space? <laughs> But yeah, like we're saying, he's 90 years old. He's um, had two hip replacements. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, broken legs, broken limbs several times. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'll go. I'll make it up these seven flights of stairs. Oh, my God. I will will myself through it. It's, I will make it happen. It's it's just rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny that he called it rehearsal. That's great. And yeah, so the, the you know, the space flight suits, those are costumes. They are costumes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's take a little break and then we're going to talk about, okay. guess what? We're going to talk about Star Trek after this, uh, specifically yeah. Lower Decks, Lower Decks. Yay. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, let's take our break because sooner we take our break, sooner we can come back. Yes. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. 
Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. So Lower Decks is definitely my favorite Star Trek right after TOS right now. Me too. And I have to say that this second season has been so outstanding Mm -hmm. and just getting better and better and better with every episode. Mm -hmm. It is so good. I'm so glad that they're developing the characters the way they are. I think that was a Mm -hmm. fear that a lot of people had at the beginning was because it was animated that the characters wouldn't have any kind of growth. You know, because that's, you tend to mm-hmm. associate that with animation, especially with long yes. seasons, like take the Simpsons, like stuff happens, but it's always the reset button and nobody ever grows or changes right. or anything. Um, and this hasn't been like that at all, right? It's just no. been stuff carrying over from episode to episode and things really having effects and people changing. And then the biggest change that I just loved came at the end of the finale, um, for for Mariner and for Jennifer, my favorite Andorian. I, I, <laughs> I love, love that, that her name is Jennifer. Jennifer. <laughs> the fact that her name is Jennifer and that the the person who's doing her voice has given her sort of this mean girls, valley girl type of effect. Yes. It's yes. so funny. And that's been this theme throughout the whole season is that they don't like each mm-hmm. other. And it's sort of like, you know, bumping into somebody in the halls. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and now she and Mariner are going to be buds, it they looks like. They are. They're going to be friends. They made up, and they're going to be friends. And um, they admitted to each other. It was like, oh, I thought you didn't like me. Oh, I thought you didn't like me. And, and it's mm-hmm. great. It's just great. And that the first thing that Mariner did was take her over to her friend group and say, hey, this is Jennifer. She's really cool. Now we're friends. You know? Yep. Just, yep. It was perfect. It was really perfect. Um the finale ended on a cliffhanger, which I totally appreciate. I know. In oh, great my God. Star Trek style. Again, drawing from stuff that happened much earlier in the season, this um, intrigue mm-hmm. with the, the Pockleds and how the Klingons are involved and what's going to happen there. So they're setting up a big next season. I don't know what is going to happen. And whatever that memory is that what's his yes. name covered. Oh, my God. That was. I was like, oh, I want to know about this. It was incredible. It was just so much stuff happening there. And all of the, I mean, this was an episode that involved all the characters quite a lot, right? Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. focused specifically. So the whole bridge crew was involved. Um, We Mm -hmm. got to see some characters come back from uh, a few episodes ago. Everybody got to play a part in this and super dramatic stuff happened i mean there were space battles and there was a um an entity and and almost yeah. crashing into a planet and and just yeah oh so much so much star trek it was great. oh and then when the when the uh the the ship was coming out of space dock it was such it was like an homage to an homage you know because <laughs> yes. first it reminded me of um you know, when, when the ship comes out of space dock in the movies. But then it reminded me of Galaxy Quest, but of without the scraping. <laughs> of course. Oh, no, that, that mean, was I like the first thing I thought I think they reproduced some of. of the actual, you know, shots, like the angles mm-hmm. and everything. So that was great. Oh, everything was just spot on. And I want one of those T-shirts that says Ritos on it. 
I thought that oh, was so Oh, I thought so that funny. was so good. <laughs> that cracked me up. Oh, so um, they they set up in this episode two big things happening, which are that um, the Cerritos finally does a big first contact and saves the day all at the same time mm-hmm. through through ingenuity yep. of the crew. So it wasn't the captain who thought of this crazy idea of stripping off the outer hull. It was it was Rutherford. It was one of the regular lower mm-hmm. decks crew people. So that was good. It wasn't all down to the captain being super smart. In fact, she was mm-hmm. off on some crazy scheme about taking her own little yacht out there as she and Mariner are having a big argument about um, <laughs> Mariner picking fights with people. It's like, good, good time to have this argument. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they did that and they saved another ship and they saved the planet from destruction and they had first contact with a bunch of people who um, seemed great. You know, they were all being <laughs> really formal. happy to see them. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> let's go drink. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, and then Captain Freeman mysteriously is arrested for something yeah. that we know that she didn't do that involves an explosion on the Packled planet. So now we have to find out what that's all about. And what's going to happen on the ship? Like now there needs to be a new captain and the crew has to pull together. And now they've got a mystery to solve in addition to whatever else they're doing. So great way to wrap things up. Really good. Oh, yeah. So much about this episode. I was going, you know, you call it animation and I still call them cartoons. I can't (laughs) help it. But I was going, there's nothing cartoony here. This is a real Star Trek episode. It is. They you do know? everything. They do everything possible to to stage it and film it and make it like it's a real episode. This is what astonishes me every time we watch it. That it's not like watching a, like what you think of as a cartoon. Nothing is static. You, you were saying before mm-hmm. about the shots of them pulling out of space dock. It's all extremely cinematic. Really, like. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say photographed, like the way a director of photography would light a scene and have the characters yes. play against it. It's it's all just so well done. Um, I also want to really say how much I loved Cetacean Ops because I was not yes. expecting oh to God. see the whales on the ship. It was so But they're good. little whales. I know. <laughs> they're little babies. And they have their little whales, and they're horny, and they want <laughs> they want they want people to come they in the water. They want to go skinny dipping with them. <laughs> That's all they want. That's all they want. Oh my god, it was so 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 funny. Apparently now you can buy uh, t-shirts with either of those two um, crew people on it. Um, and <laughs> I'm trying to find. So they're beluga whales. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's I I couldn't remember the kind that they are, but that's exactly what they are. And one of them has what I uh, I must assume is a, like an Inuit name, and that's Kamolu, which makes sense because beluga whales come mm-hmm. from the Arctic. But the other one is called Matt, which is also a really good name for a, a beluga yes. whale. Yeah, it was great. And also, in true Star Trek fashion, what Boimler has to do to release that last panel <laughs> it was just like dive in, make a left turn go through this tunnel and everything yes make it as inaccessible as possible it was it, you was, know, it was like the, yes the crushy things and the wall of flame and <laughs> the the thing that he has to do in the end to me looked like a callback to the omega-13 on the the deck of 
the 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 protector. Yes, it was exactly the mm-hmm. thing. It was a shiny thing, and you put your hand in, and you turn it, and it pops up, and it's like it was just Ta-da! like that. It was. Oh. It really was. This was the episode, though, that to me felt so uh, tight and so strong in developing characters and having an actual plot that went all the way through it and didn't get off on a lot of other side plots, which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. But that's why I say this one was a real Star Trek episode. Yep, yep. It was really good. And and the, the character development, I think, that they've shown up to this point really paid off. So we've seen over the course of this series, Boimler getting more confident and showing that he really mm-hmm. does have skills and he will rise to the occasion like he's scared but he'll yep. do it and he'll get the job done so that's great for him and we've seen mariner being called again and again on this tendency to just fight people and push them away and her having to confront mm-hmm. that and that was really good um in the last show i was talking about the episode where she and boimler are stranded on the planet and how it sort of subverted the tropes about her because he ended up being the more competent one with the plan and she mm-hmm. couldn't she couldn't really believe that he was doing it because she's so used to being right all the time and she was wrong and he was right and that was great and she thinks she's like kirk yep and i thought what um captain freeman said to her about you're not like kirk kirk mm-hmm. was confident and you know because he knew what he was doing yeah. <laughs> you're just shooting your mouth <laughs> off exactly it was good it was really good i think in a way some of that addresses Um, some criticism that I've seen because of course there are going to be people who criticize it saying you know oh Mariner she's like the Mary Sue and she's she's perfect and and you know she always saves the day and they've really gone out of their way to show that that's not true at all that she doesn't save the Mm -hmm. day and that she has a lot of flaws and people will call her on those flaws they just don't let her exist picking fights with people and being obstinate and not Mm -hmm. letting other people do what they can do. So I I love that stuff. Um, I also want to say I love Dr. Tana because uh, she's just so cranky. And my favorite line at the end, when she ends up promoting Tendi and saying, you, you know, you should be Mm -hmm. on the ship. And Tendi's like, Oh, you mean like Jadzia Dax? And and Tana says, who the fuck is that? (laughs) I mean, like Spock. (laughs) I never heard of that. (laughs) I was thinking about Dr. Tana, too, and I was sort of walking it back, I guess, to when they were first doing the concept of the show and the characters and everything, and they hadn't made any of it yet. Uh And, you know, they're going, well, what do we have to have for a doctor? And somebody goes, I'd really like a cranky doctor like McCoy. Yeah, yeah, good. What alien can we have to be cranky? And Mm -hmm. they came up with a cat. (laughs) That was so perfect. It's it's so perfect, and she's not... She's not like McCoy. I mean, she's like a hundred times crankier and weirder in so many ways. And (laughs) I love that about her. That she's just like this totally weird, freaky doctor who's in charge of everything and extremely competent when she has to do her job, of course. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she's just, she's not a copy of anybody else. She's just great. And I love her little tail that we've gotten to see. (laughs) Well, you would think, oh my God, she's got, 300 people in sick bay right now with mm-hmm. all different injuries. We never see anybody in sick bay. <laughs> but she's still cranky. <laughs> she's still cranky. Still cranky and swearing. Yep. I love it. Yes. I love all the swearing. It's mm-hmm. so good. She's perfect. So, hooray. Hooray oh, for there was Orgex. one little thing. Yes. 
that I bet I am one of the few people who caught this. Uh-huh. And it's one of the things that, you know, happened a lot on TOS, but people don't talk about it too much like they used to. But at one point, they're, the captain's there, and they're discussing the problem, and, and uh, blah, 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 blah. And somebody goes, but that means, and the captain interrupts and says, that we can blah, 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 which, of course, Shatner was famous for, <laughs> was, you know, taking mm-hmm. Spock's lines. Mm-hmm. And I went, whoa, that's like a deep cut, you know? <laughs> They love their deep cuts. They love their deep cuts oh. on this. It's so good. It's so good. Yep. So I'm I'm psyched for the next season of that. And uh, there's going to be stuff happening. I mean, they finished wrapping the filming on Strange New Worlds. So that's good. So mm-hmm. um, that'll be going into post-production. And then there's going to be Discovery. And there's going to be more Picard. So there's just lots and lots of Star Trek coming down the pike. It's so good. And I think the next one that that's going up, you know, for us to be able to watch is Picard. Oh, I have to check because I'm not even sure. Let's Google I it. I think it is. Let's do some real-time okay. Googling. Next Star Trek series on TV. I know it's not TV, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the next one is actually Prodigy, but we're not going to count that because it's, oh. it's a kid thing. I'm going to watch it. I will report on that. I know you will. And that that can be your responsibility. Yeah. And if it's really, really good, you can tell me, you know. Okay. Discovery is going to premiere on November 18th. So that's next. Wow. Yeah, it's soon. It's really soon. That's a month away. Yeah. So that's good. And then Picard. Ooh. Picard is in February of 2022. Oh. And Strange New Worlds does not have a release date. People are saying maybe next summer or maybe next fall. So that's where we are with those. Mm, yeah. That's too far away. Well, they're going to make it good. You know, let them take their time yes. to get everything right. Okay. It's good. We've got okay. plenty of stuff, plenty of stuff to keep us occupied in the meantime. Yes. So um, my my one thing that I'm sad about is that uh, I've been watching Star Trek on the Heroes and Icons channel. And mm-hmm. it used to be the block of Trek that started at 8 p.m. here on, in California. So it was Trek and then and um, TNG and Deep Space Nine and Enterprise, sorry, Voyager and Enterprise. So for reasons I don't understand, they've now moved TOS to midnight. And <gasps> instead, they're showing Walker, Texas Ranger for some unknown reason. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, now so, we're still getting them in the, in the order that you... Um, just did. Uh, you know, we you get sure? TOS here. Yes, because I see it. Um, we get TOS here. I think it's at eight. Okay. Well, and then it's um, followed by TNG and blah blah blah. You know, and it is heroes and icons. Yeah. Well, the, here they've changed it here. I think today is the first day actually that they're changing mm-hmm. it, which is very disappointing. So, it, it's so funny because I think that that was a brilliant move for them as a TV station to start that mm-hmm. block and do it in chronological order. Because there were many nights when I just stayed there watching TNG because yep. I had been sitting there watching. TOS, right? Like I would never mm-hmm. sit down just to go, oh, I think I'll watch TNG right now. With a few exceptions, most of the episodes don't interest me enough to actually make a date with my television to watch it. But, <laughs> you know, if I'm sitting there and I've just finished TOS, I'll at least watch the first 15 minutes to see which episode it is. And then if it's good, I might sit there and watch Deep Space Nine as well. But without that lead in, are they going to have as much of a viewing audience? I don't think they will. I don't know. Maybe it's a temporary thing to just kind of launch 
Texas Ranger. But who watches that? Is that a show that people are fans of? I don't know. I've barely heard of it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I want to bring up one thing that we did talk about, I think it was last time, about on Heroes and, and Icons, how we're, we're seeing these little snippets yeah. that you know, we have never seen before. Well, the, one of the things I like to watch is I Love Lucy comes on at noon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, they just did the, the full cycle. So now we're back at, at the beginning. And I have been noticing that there are lots of, not necessarily small but, you know, snippets like that in these I Love Lucy episodes. <laughs> oh, that's and crazy. one of the things that happens is if somebody's going into the Tropicana to talk to Ricky, mm-hmm. we see them walking down that hallway. Wow. And we see somebody walking down the hallway to the Ricardo's apartment. Huh, that's weird. I don't ever remember seeing that in the episodes. Oh, I didn't either, but I was going, what is this? So... Well, I guess they can. You know, there's they're restoring all of our childhood. Exactly. I was just <laughs> going to say they're they're now that they can, they will because they know that there are people out yes. there who who want to see it. Um, on a totally unrelated subject, I just want to mention that I watched an episode of That Girl the other day. I don't know if you ever oh, watched I'm that. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, it was a good episode because Ethel Merman was the guest star. <gasps> And yes, yes, I remember that. She was delightful. Yep. It was such a good episode, you know, given the constraints of mm-hmm. that particular format. And uh, Marlo Thomas was was really good. And I just love Ethel Merman. I mean, she's she was <laughs> so good in this little role. Not little. I mean, she was the guest star. And mm-hmm. she was funny and personable. And she can act. And she sang a little bit. And was just everything that you would hope she would be as a a bona fide star being in a a little TV show like this. She was just awesome. I loved it. Well, you know, maybe I should get you on the show. I love show tunes group (laughs) on Facebook, which is so much fun. And I learned so much. I thought I knew something about show tunes, but there's a lot of talk and pictures and recordings and stuff of Ethel. Yeah. She, she's awesome. I love her. I especially Mm -hmm. love, um, her turn in the movie Airplane. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> and she was also in one of your favorites. It's a mad, 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 mad Oh, world. yes. She was excellent yeah. in that movie. She was so good. But the the airplane thing always cracks me up every time I see it, even though I know it's coming. And for people <laughs> who haven't seen it, it's a scene in a hospital where the, the main character, Ted Stryker, is being treated for PTSD or something. And they're looking around at all the other poor guys in this veterans hospital. Oh, this guy lost a leg and this guy lost. And, you know, they're like, and, and the, his visitor says, what's wrong with that guy? And Stryker goes, Oh, he thinks he's Ethel Merman. And they cut over and it's her <laughs> in the bed in like, you know, military pajamas. And she's singing. There's no business like show business of in course. full makeup and her hair done. And she's wearing like beautiful jewelry and, and they're like sedating her, <laughs> you know, they're putting a chloroform over her mouth or something. What, what a trooper to do that, you know, to, to basically, yep. you know, be in it for five seconds and just be so funny, but sort of mocking yourself at the same time. So good. Just, oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, I just, I, th- those were my thoughts on television. Um, you know, speaking of Star Trek, I watched the Assignment Earth one the other night. Oh, God, I hate that it's one. It's so boring. And <sighs> I think it suffers from a problem that Roddenberry had with everything but Star Trek, right? Like he had other series that he worked on mm-hmm. and developed, but he was never like the concepts were always very interesting. And the concept of Assignment Earth, like if they had spun that off into a separate thing, 
is, is an interesting concept. You could get some good stories out of that. You know, like mm-hmm. this, this human, but who's really an alien. He comes to Earth. He has an assistant. He's fixing things. It's sort of Doctor Who-ish in a way, you know, like, sure, that works. Um, but they could not have chosen a least, a, a less interesting leading man than the guy who is Robert I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yep. Imagine if they had cast someone with a twinkle in their eye who was more like, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a Doctor Who guy like Tom Baker or somebody who was mm-hmm. just, you know, sort of full of life and uh, funny and easy to talk to and you really wanted to identify with him. Mm-hmm. They, I think that would have made all the difference in the world. And for Roddenberry's other things as well, if the main characters had just been more engaging as people. Um, and I was talking about this with someone and he said, well, yeah, look at the first go round of Star Trek, right? Like, mm-hmm. That was the yeah. problem was that they didn't have somebody really dynamic and charismatic as the main character. Yeah. And it was only sort of by luck that they got William Shatner in that role. But the character of Pike was not that person. And you, I think you see that over and over again. Nobody wanted to watch a show about a guy who's tired of his job. Yeah, yeah. And, and that just, I think, carried over in, into other things that Roddenberry did. He just could not mm-hmm. seem to recognize that you can have an interesting concept with a lot of cool theories and possibilities, but unless you have really compelling and dynamic characters at the heart of it, it's not going to fly and people aren't going to want to tune in to watch it every week. I don't know why he couldn't learn that lesson. Like It was right I there in front of him. <laughs> Look what you did. Well, you know, what I've been watching, because it comes on regularly now, is Third Rock from the Sun, mm-hmm. which is so hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people just didn't like it. They said, oh, it's so loud. It's so super. I'm going, it's a farce. Mm-hmm. They, it's a farce on television. But the thing is, here's these four weird aliens who know nothing about Earth, and they're sent to observe. And through the, the the series, through all the episodes, you see them and their observations, which are always way off, but you see them falling in love with this planet mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. people on it. Mm-hmm. And so there's development there. It's just such a fun, funny show. Yeah, and they had great actors, you know. You were able to, to leverage someone like John Lithgow, who is all of those things at once, super engaging. Like mm-hmm. you, you want to tune in to see what he's going to do. And, you know, to just take it back to, to the original Star Trek, like Jeffrey Hunter, he's fine. He's a good actor and all that. But the character is not written in a way that makes you want to come back next week to see what he's going to do. Yes. I was going to tell you, though, I saw a couple of the episodes where Bill is on it as the big giant head. Oh, yes. I remember that. Yes. And he's so funny. He is so good in this. And because the show is 30 years old, he looks really good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. It all comes back to Bill. <laughs> it always does. Everything well, does. Well, that had to be a coup for them to get him to be the mm-hmm. big giant head. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is. So it's, yeah. it's, it's sort of <laughs> suited his stature there. Um Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, it is great. Um, so we we will sometime soon watch and then talk about the um, the murder show that he was on recently, which I now have a copy of, but haven't had a chance to watch. Okay, well, um, yeah, it's on uh, BritBox, which right. I I have on a free t- trial. Okay, so um, yeah, I can watch it there too. Yeah, so we should just I would just like to see what he's doing in terms of acting these days, since we haven't seen him. And since he's not in any of the credits or anything, I've got to 
suspicion about what he may be playing, but I'm not going to mm, say anything. Okay. All right. Mm. Well, we shall see. Uh, cool. Well, that's it. I think those were the two main things we wanted to talk about. Big, big news and saying, uh, summing up a great, great season of Lower Deck. So good, good oh, week. Yeah. Good week for Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, thank you all for joining us for this discussion. Um, please visit us over on Facebook and keep posting things and news and, and little tidbits that you might find. Um, and let us know your thoughts and observations on Bill going into space. Yes, we would love to know what you thought. How many of you were watching? I think a lot of people got up to watch that. It was available in, in so many different ways. You could watch it on TV. Oh, yeah, or... you could watch it online and mm -hmm. it was on TV and, yep. you know... <laughs> It was the biggest thing since the whatever the last royal wedding was. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's it's Shatner. You got you put him up there, and people are automatically going to tune in. Nobody wants to miss this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for now. And um, we will see you with another show in a couple of weeks. And until the next time, as we say always, live long and potluck. <laughs> 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 okay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.